Praise God, he is able to do so much more than I am able to do. Praise God. A question for you to open up this morning. Do you appreciate being told the truth? Do you appreciate the truth? Do you despise, do you extremely dislike being lied to? I know when I find out that someone has lied to me, it, it stirs things inside of me and it, it, it disturbs me. And I, I strongly dislike that feeling. But I ask you this morning, do you really dislike being lied to? Does it always bother you? What if the truth hurts? What if a lie makes you feel better? What do I mean by that? How could a lie make you feel better? Have you ever had someone brag you up, say all sorts of things about you, and find out later that they had uh, other motives behind the beautiful, the kind things they were saying to you? Maybe they needed you to do something for them. Maybe they wanted your attention. That was a reason for flattering you. You see, sometimes the truth is hard to give, and sometimes the truth is hard to receive. In our text this morning, Paul is giving the Galatians truth. All the way through the letter to the Galatians, he's giving them truth. And this morning we're going to look a little bit at how that truth was received, why it was received that way, and what Paul tells the Galatians about that, what he's trying to point out to them about that. We'll be looking at Galatians chapter 4, going through verses 12 through 20. Whenever you're ready, Daryl. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. I thank you. I thank you for truth, Lord. I thank you that by your grace we can receive truth, Lord. God, I pray that you would just guide us through this text this morning. Help us to see areas in our life where maybe we have been resistant to truth, where we have embraced lies, where we have embraced flattery, because it, pumped, it puffed us up, Lord. It made us feel good, Lord. God, give us wisdom to identify that in our lives. Guide us through this text, Lord, to reveal the truth in our hearts, Father. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, to open this text, Paul gives the Galatians a charge. He tells them to become as I am. Well, how is Paul? 
We're going to look at a couple of texts from some of his other letters. The first one is Philippians 3, verse 8. Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 19, we're going to look at a few high points in this text. He says, I make myself a servant to all. And again, it's Paul writing this. Why? So that he might win more of them. To the Jews, he became a Jew. To those under the law, he put himself under the law. To those outside the law, he lived outside the law. Now, he didn't break God's commandments. He didn't act contrary to the nature of God, but he didn't live rigidly to the law. To the weak, he became weak. He became all things to all people. Why did he do this? He said, I do all this for the sake of the gospel. Paul built relationships with the people by giving of himself. His purpose was for Christ and for Christ alone. That's the life he lived on this earth from the moment that he experienced the road to Damascus. From that time forward, Paul lived for no one but Christ. Was he perfect? No, he wasn't. He talks about that in his text. We've talked about that already. But when he's telling them to live as he does, to be like him, this is what he's talking about. And he's not puffing himself up. 1 Corinthians 11, the first verse, he says it again. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. See, our goal is to be like Christ. As Christians, that's what we long to to do. That's what we're called to do. Paul modeled that. Was he proud about it? No. He was being a servant of Christ. He was modeling living in Christ's image, and that's what he was wanting to lead his disciples, lead these people into, was the image of Christ. So when he said, follow me as I follow Christ, that's another translation of the 1 Corinthians 11 verse. Follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me because I'm imitating Christ. That's the charge he was leaving with the people. It wasn't to look at me and look what I do. He's telling them the only way to to honor God is to follow him and I'm following him. That doesn't mean that Paul's not saying that he's not going to fall, he's not going to fail, but follow him as he gets back up. See how he humbles himself. See how he makes himself a humble servant of Jesus. And he does that by trust and belief and by the grace of God. That's how he does it. So that's the charge he opens this text with is to tell them that he wants to be an example for them of what they are to be in Christ. This week we look again, just like we did last week, at the then and at the now. And the then and the now is relative to the Galatian people. And he, and he starts with then. And meaning when I first came. When he first came to the Galatian people, well, what brought him to the Galatians? What event brought him to the Galatian people to minister to them? 
Well, he tells us in this text that it was a bodily ailment that brought him to them. Well, looking at the text, what do you think Paul's ailment was? What ailment brought him to minister to these people? There's several different ideas on what that may be. Some say it was malaria from his traveling, that he was sick with malaria and needed to recover from that. Some say that it was physical abuse that he received during his ministry. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, toward the end of that chapter, he talks about the different types of abuse he received. It says he was flogged with 39 lashes five different times. That's not an easy beating to take by any means. But he had it, and he took it five times. It said he was beaten with rods five times. I'm sorry, beaten with rods three times. It says he was stoned once. Stoning usually led to death, but he lived through it. Can you imagine the abuse his physical body took? And he also adds in that text that he was shipwrecked three times. Can you imagine the abuse that his body took? And he could have had physical ailments resulting from those beatings, from those lashings. Some say that his ailment was something to do with his eyes. Something with his eyes could have been a result of his, of his beatings, of his abuse. But looking at you know, the potential that it would be something with his eyes. Verse 15, he tells them that you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me if you could have. That's how compassionate they were for him. And it kind of leads you to think maybe it was something with his eyes. At the, toward the end of Galatians, in chapter 6, verse 11, it, sees, it says, see with, what large, see with what large letters I write in. And he's wrapping it up. Some would believe that he, he, someone else penned the book of Galatians for him as he dictated, and then he wrote the last section in his own hand, and that's why it would have been larger possibly because his vision was dimmed. We don't know that for sure, but it's just another clue. The reality is we don't know what his ailment was. These are all possibilities. But I'll tell you this morning, Paul's life and these texts and another text I want to look at have really ministered to me in my situation, in my handicap. And I don't know if you've heard me say this before, by the grace of God, I don't choose to call it a disability. My eyesight doesn't disable me. It does handicap me and causes me to find different ways to accomplish tasks. But God also uses our handicaps, uses our physical shortcomings for His glory and for His honor. It's not His perfect will. All of these things, all of our imperfections, all of our ailments are a result of the fall. Whether they come through beating or whether it's a physical ailment of some sort, they're because of the fall. Paul talks also about this of his thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is a text that has always been very dear to me. In verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12, he says, A thorn was given to me in the flesh. He says it was a messenger of Satan. Well, how does he look at that thorn? How does he respond to that thorn? We skip down to verse 10 in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and he says, For the sake of Christ. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, 
persecutions, and calamities. That just about covers it all, doesn't it? The things we can face in this world today, he's content in those things because of Christ. And he continues to say, for when I am weak, then am I strong. When I get out of the way and trust in Christ and depend in Christ and allow Christ's glory to shine, then I am strong, not by my own strength, but by Christ in me. That's the message that he's wanting to get across to the Galatian people. You see, there are lots of opportunities and hardship. Satan wants us to run from the hardships and continue to run until we wear ourselves out, until they consume us and destroy us. God wants us to face our hardships. He wants us to turn into those hardships. Confess that we are not strong enough to embrace them. We're not strong enough to endure them. But to turn into them by His grace. It's a beautiful illustration that I heard one time. I read in a book. It says the world revolves on its axis. And you can try to run from the darkness. Try to run around the world to stay ahead of the sunset. So stay ahead of the darkness, but it will overcome you. And if you continue to run, you will be in that darkness for a long time. But imagine if you turned into that darkness and ran through the darkness, you would get through it so much quicker. God wants us to turn into our darkness. He wants to turn into our trials, to our calamities, and face them with Him. Not on our own, but with Him. That's the message that Paul wanted to get to the Galatian people. God is with us in our suffering for His glory and for His honor. He doesn't want us to suffer. Again, it wasn't His will. It wasn't His perfect will. But He acknowledges that suffering is real. And He uses suffering for His glory. And He uses suffering to change us. My blindness is a huge part of who I am because God has used it to shape my personality. I learned this week that I still have some personality shaping to to accomplish. I found out that my miniature horse is more stubborn than I am. And I'm praying about how to accomplish that, but it, it is a beautiful thing how God uses the challenges in our life to shape us. Even a little horse who you think should do exactly what you want it to do, but he, has, he seems intent on doing the exact opposite of what I want him to do. kind of reminds us of our children. It reminds me of me. So I encourage you to turn into your challenges. Romans 8.28 says, For all things work together for good to those who are the called. All things work together for good. That means even our challenges. God brought Paul to Galatia. How did he do it? He did it through an ailment. It wasn't in Paul's plans. It wasn't his own motives. You know, Paul had plans. He had plans to hit certain cities. As you read in various places in his letters, he had plans. But what did he do with those plans? He held those plans loosely. He made plans and then he allowed God to guide him. And God used his ailment to connect with the Galatian people. And Paul saw the purpose in God's plan. And what happened? They received him. They embraced him. He leaves you the impression that he may have even been physically hard to look at. And possibly it was that he was hard to take care of. It was a burden on them to care for him physically. But they embraced him. They embraced 
caring for him. They embraced the message that he brought them. And Paul's encouraged by that. But then we get to the now. And now is the time that he is writing the letter to the Galatian people. He asks them, have I become an enemy to you? You received me so personally. You knew me. But now, what's wrong? Have I become an enemy to you? See, they're treating him even to the point of of an adversary. And Paul can't figure this out. He says, did you do this because I told you the truth? Are you doing this because I spoke the truth to you? The reality, was it something that Paul did? Why did they turn their backs on Paul? Was it because of something Paul did to them? When in actuality, it was something that Paul didn't do. He tells the Galatian people, he says, they make much of you. And he's talking about the Judaizers in this context. They make much of you. They're bragging you up. They're flattering you. That's why you turned your back on me. Why are they making much of them? Why are they flattering them? Why are they bragging them up? He says they want to shut you out. Now how does that work? Someone making much of you, someone bragging you up, how does that shut you out? What does it shut you out of? Well, what it was shutting them out of was the message that Paul had given them, the free gift of God's grace. Because they were trying to bind them up in the law. Why were they doing this? Why were they trying to put the law on the Galatian people? Well, they wanted, Paul says, that you may make much of them. That you will return the favor. That you will depend on them. That you will lift them up. That you will honor them. You see, grace, the truth of the grace of God took away the Pharisees' power. It made it nothing about the spiritual leaders of the Jewish church. It made it all about God because that's what it is all about. So they were scrambling to keep these people dependent on them. That was the Judaizers' goal. So they pumped these Galatian people up and told them how wonderful they were and how great they were. They made much of them. Something Paul wasn't doing He wasn't making it about the Galatian people. He was making it about Christ and trying to teach them that by doing that, then Christ would reciprocate. Christ would love them. His grace would be sufficient for them. But yeah, these lies that the Judaizers were telling the Galatian people, they felt good. Made them feel important. Made them feel needed. Sound familiar? That's the lies we were talking about in the opening. How many people make you feel good, make you feel important? And then when they're done with you, they drop you like a rock. Christ won't do that. You see, the Judaizers were using the Galatian people. They were trying to keep control. They were trying to keep this message of the cross, this message of grace, the fact that Christ died on the cross, that Christ came to live on the earth, that he died on the cross, that he was resurrected for us that we could confess our wretchedness, our sin, and it would be under the blood of the cross. That's the fact that they were trying to quench, that they were trying to distract. They were trying to puff up these Galatian people to keep them following them and trusting them. And this is what Paul 
was working against, what he was speaking against, what truth he was speaking. You see, the Judaizers and people like them today, people who try to puff you up to keep your attention, to keep your loyalty, they need you to need them. The Judaizers needed the Galatian people to need them. That's where they found their worth. If only they could have understood the truth, if they could have found their sufficiency in Christ, they wouldn't have needed the Galatian people. But they were so bound up in law and trusting in it that they needed others to do the same because then that gave them the authority and that helped them to be needed. He told them that they're telling you what you want to hear. Whatever it takes to keep your attention. Whatever it takes to keep you dependent on them. Oh, now I'm sure they try to disguise it. People today probably tell you, oh no, this is no benefit to me. But again, it's lies. It's all an attempt to keep you bound up, to keep you dependent on them. And that's what the Judaizers were doing to the Galatian people. He tells them that they're lying to you. Well, why did this cause them to turn on Paul? Why did the Galatians turn on Paul? They had such a compassion for him, such a love for him when he was there at first. But after these Judaizers came in and spoke this to them and and tried to pull them to be dependent on them, well, the reason that the Galatian people, the reason they turned on Paul, they couldn't go both ways. They couldn't confess what Paul was saying and confess what the Judaizers were saying. They had to choose one or the other. And Paul was away from them. He wasn't there in front of them. The Judaizers had people on the ground right in front of them, speaking to them, trying to work on them. So they had to choose one or the other, and they chose the Judaizers for the time being. That's why they turned on Paul. It was easier, it seemed. And it made them feel good. Verse 18, Paul wants to encourage them. It's not bad to be made much of for a good purpose. It's not bad to encourage your fellow believers, to encourage them in their relationship with Christ. But when you're making much of them because of who they are instead of who Christ is in them, that's when it's bad. And that's what the Judaizers were doing. They were making much of these people and trying to tell them how great they were for keeping the law. How great they were for what they could do under their own abilities. But it's a beautiful thing when we encourage each other as Christian believers. Encourage each other in Christ. Encourage each other in the fruits that we see in each other. Walking alongside each other for the same goal. The goal of being like Christ as Paul sought to live his life. He goes on to tell them, my little children... You see, he was so very compassionate for the Galatian people. His heart was in agony over the path they were going down, how they were straying from the pure message of the gospel, the message of grace. You see, Paul presented the truth in love to them. He didn't speak down to them. He encouraged them. He spoke the truth of the freedom of the gospel message to them. And he was patient with them. Sometimes in Paul's writing, it doesn't seem like he was very patient. But I don't think in some ways we have any idea what he went through with these people. How impatient do we get? He tells them, until Christ 
be formed in you. What does he mean by that? It means the seed has been planted. They have accepted Christ as their Savior. But their spirituality has not matured yet. He uses the childbirth analogy once again. The egg has been fertilized. But your spiritual life has not come to maturity. Spiritual life has begun, but it's still maturing in you. You're still in the milk. You're still growing. That's what he's telling the Galatian people. And he wants to be patient with them. But part of that requires him to speak truth to them. And that's not telling them that it's okay what they're doing. It's telling them, helping them to see what they're doing wrong. What false beliefs they're, they're putting their faith in. It's important for him to point out to them what the Judaizers, the lies that the Judaizers are speaking to them. It's important for him to tell them that it's not about them. It's all about Christ. And he's speaking that truth and he's waiting for them to come to maturity in Christ. And that maturing must occur. Well, let's recap a little bit. Paul first presented his life as an example. He told them to become as I am. Paul was striving, not under his own power, but by the grace of God, to become in the image of Christ. And he challenged the Galatian people to follow his lead. Not for his sake, not that he could be made much of, but that Christ would be glorified in his life. And that in turn, they would be able to be examples and lead others into the way of Christ. He pointed out God's sovereignty to them. You see, it was because of an ailment that he came to see them. It wasn't by any choice he made. He didn't set in his mind to go to the Galatian people. An ailment, circumstances, brought him to exactly where God wanted him to minister to the Galatian people. And he took full advantage of the opportunity that was presented to him through hardship, through circumstances, to minister to these people. And they accepted the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But now they've gotten derailed. And he exposed the lies that derailed them. He told the Galatian people, they make much of you. They're lying to you to get your attention. They're lying to you to distract you from the true gospel message. And then in our text, he expressed his compassion to these people. He called them little children. And he encouraged them by telling them he would be long-suffering with them. That he would stand with them as they matured, as they grew into their spiritual life. Paul had such an amazing heart for the people. He told them that he regretted writing this in a letter to them because he was afraid they would have come across coarse. He was afraid they would have come across cruel and unloving. He longed to be there in person so that they could hear the inflection in his voice. That he could embrace them. But he felt the urgency of getting this message to them and that's why he wrote it in a letter. But Paul was not just distantly reaching out to these people. His heart was with these people. I ask you this morning, are you willing to speak truth as Paul was willing to speak truth? Are you willing to do as Paul did? You know, when you speak truth, you will be persecuted. 
People will run from you. People will avoid you. Are you willing to take that on? Are you ready to hear truth? There's an old cliche, don't shoot the messenger. How often do we do that? When someone comes alongside of us and wants to speak into our lives and say, hey, I I see this in your life and and I just want to help you. I, I, I want to help you identify this area in your life, this where you're making agreements with Satan, where you're sinning. Do we try to pick that messenger apart? Do we try to say, well, I I might have a problem in that area. I might have a problem with gossip. I might have a problem with pride. But who is this guy to tell me anything? Because he's got this problem and this problem. Are we ready to hear truth? Are we ready to put it under the lens of Scripture? Are we ready to take it to the Lord in prayer? Are we very quick to dismiss it? Because we don't want to deal with it. Because of what it's going to cost us in the flesh. That's what was going on with the Galatian people. It was going to cost them. It was going to cost them the praise of the Judaizers. It was going to cost them all these warm and fuzzy feelings they were getting from these praises from this being made much of. Are we ready to receive truth and allow truth to permeate our lives, to go through our lives and to expose the darkness, to expose the lies, to expose our choices? One thing we need to ask ourselves when we are confronted with truth, is it from God? We need to, as I said, take it under the lens of Scripture. We need to take it to the Lord in prayer. We need to search it out and not just immediately dismiss it. I encourage you this morning, has someone been speaking truth to you? Are you trying to justify yourself? Are you dismissing the messenger because of some flaws, some shortcomings you see in their life? Or are you open to truth being spoken to your life? Do you understand the freedom that will come to you when you embrace truth? Do you understand the bondage that you're in by agreeing with the lies that Satan brings to you? Are you willing to open yourselves up and be an open book? Or are you buried in the lies of Satan who's trying to bind you up? You see, the Galatian people, like we said, they really enjoyed the flattery. They really enjoyed the making much of. Are you putting your worth in people on earth? Are you finding your sufficiency in Christ and how he loves you perfectly and justly? I encourage you this morning to be willing to listen to truth. Yeah, there's going to be some people come to you with some things that are off the wall. Some people who don't know you. Who don't know why you do what they do. Who, don't, who misunderstand, misinterpret something you've done. And you may have to go back to them after some searching and say, hey, I understand where you're coming from in this, but this is what's going on. I know you think you see some things in my life, but let me, let me have a conversation with you. We need to be willing to do that for their sake and for ours. And it's not always easy. By no means is it always easy. It's often and most times hard. 
But by the grace of God, he will give you the strength to embrace those situations. And I encourage you to stand in that.